Erica McGarry is talking to someone living in a tent. How you doing? How you feeling? It's, it's Erica from yesterday. Yeah, I was going to see you today. See if you were going to come out so I could talk to you. She's been by before. She's back, figuring out what services to refer them to. And she'll probably come by again. Sometimes the resources don't work. <laughs> like, you know, you want this person to go into housing, and sometimes it just doesn't work. But you keep going, figure out what works, because we're inserting ourselves in somebody else's life. That approach has made her very popular in the neighborhood. Workers, business owners, and people who live on the street all know her name, and she knows theirs. It can be extremely challenging to help homeless people, both for those who are on the street and those trying to assist. There's a bureaucratic maze to navigate, and people who need help don't trust the system to give them the support they need. With her twin abilities to develop relationships and chart a path, Erica has been able to help figure out a way off the streets for several chronically homeless people. I'm Laura Wenis. This week, we'll learn what it takes to really get someone help. From the San Francisco Chronicle, this is SF Next, Fixing Our City. I'm in the Castro on 16th Street near Market with Erica McGarry. She's an outreach worker with the health department, and a major part of her job is to connect with people who are homeless and see what kinds of services might help them. The library is on this side, but usually this wall right here is usually filled with a lot of people. So we used to... I'll come out here with the team and, you know, do some check-ins, see if anybody is willing to change their mind today about taking a shelter bed, if we have shelter beds. Eh, you know, it's going to take some time, but I just have to have the resources in order for me to do a good job and for the people to have to want it, too. So, um, yeah, this is uh, Billy. Hi, Billy. Billy. Erica knows almost everyone in the Castro by name. She says people come and go, so there's always new folks that she doesn't know, but not for long. If you're around, whether you're homeless or not, she's going to get to know you. She's here making friends, like this man she just greeted, who's feeling ill. People like him that I've been working with for quite some time, it's like an up and down roller coaster. So we just try to take baby steps of people. We don't force nothing on anybody, I don't especially. Um, I take my time with them. We got a good friendship out here. Sometimes we go have coffee together and trying to get them indoors, just waiting on the resources. You know, that's really what this community really needs is a place where they can be able to shower, eat. Because, see, it's a different type of people from the Tenderloin in the Castro. You know, the Tenderloin is really fast moving. A lot of people in here, the Castro is pretty laid back. So it's easier to sleep out here on a, on a sidewalk, but the community won't tolerate it too much. Erica worked at the Tenderloin Center for a while, so she knows both areas. That center was established as a hub for people to be connected to shelter, housing, drug treatment, and other services. But it was shut down after almost a year in operation. Erica was also born and raised in San Francisco, and earlier in her career, she worked at MSC South, the city's largest homeless shelter. This assignment, though, is part of an effort to focus outreach on specific neighborhoods. Krista Gaeta told me about this. She's Director of Strategic Initiatives with the Population Behavioral Health Services Division of the Department of Public Health. She works with Erica. San Francisco is 
a very diverse place and each neighborhood has its own needs, issues, culture, you know, and so really getting to know that area and what the needs of the community are, what the needs of the people are that we're trying to serve, knowing what the resources are that are there or not there become really important. I think trying to come up with like a one size fits all solution, you're going to miss things. Before we started doing this Castro pilot, the team was citywide. And so we were like, go to the mission. Okay, now go to the Bayview next week. Okay, now go to the downtown. <laughs> now go to the Castro. It started to work because people started to get to know, like, oh, you're actually here. You actually came back. You actually remembered. Mm -hmm. You actually followed through with you that thing. You know my name. You know my name. Yeah. You know my coffee order now. <laughs> like I said before, Erica gets to know everyone, not only people living in tents or hanging out outside. And she knows there are locals who are frustrated with homelessness. I try to have them look at it in a different kind of scope, like, look, there's going to be homeless people out here. You, you take one, it's a one more going to come. But if you don't provide compassion and empathy to them, then, you know, it doesn't make you a bad person, but it makes the situation worse, you know? So I try to provide radical hospitality with the neighbors. I always try to make them feel like they, their voices are heard. We are out here. They also have rights, too, the people who we're engaging with. And, you know, they're humans, too. So it's, it's a tug of war. There are also neighbors who bring food or tents for people who want to help. Some people mistake Erica for a volunteer and want to join her. She's quick to point out that she actually works for the city. And that's critical because this is a coordinated effort across agencies. Since Erica knows who to contact in each department, she can let them know what's needed block by block. During her shift, I see her take a photo and send it to someone. She knows the public works employee assigned here and knows that person will ask for help distinguishing between trash and belongings before she starts throwing things away. It seems like a lot of this work is just knowing the right city staffers. When I got Erica and her supervisor Krista into the studio, I asked Erica, do you just have everyone on speed dial at this point? Uh, no. <laughs> 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 what was the look? <laughs> no, because my, my director is always like, Where, did you call? I don't have the phone number. Why you don't have the phone number? Uh, so I, <laughs> so uh, I am, um, so yes. So how do you do it then? So now I have some phone numbers. Okay. okay. we had lunch <laughs> and we sat yeah. with all the phone numbers. <laughs> yeah, so, um, and then we have other people in the community that we partnership with outside of DPH. So it sounds like it's a matter of knowing people. Yes, okay. knowing people. And this program is just like, you know, this is a program that we're trying to mimic in, in different districts, you know. So it's growing. It's working. It just takes time and patience. And I think we're trying to create a situation where it's not just who knows who, but that it's an actually structured, coordinated set of solutions. And so what Erica is referring to is our partnership across the Department of Emergency Management, the Housing and Homelessness Division, the Department of Public Works, San Francisco Police Department, the Human Services Agency. And by actually creating really clear roles, responsibilities, communication venues, we were actually able to make faster progress and all of us working in silos. This method has already helped house several people who had a reputation for living outdoors and behaving in disruptive ways. As my colleague Kevin Fagan reported in The Chronicle in February, officials had come up with a list of 34 people in the Castro to prioritize, 
who have been unhoused for a long time. Within five months, nine of them had moved indoors, seven went to temporary shelters, and overall, 19 agreed to seek treatment for medical or behavioral needs. Cross-department coordination helped, but Erica in particular has a special touch. We'll get to her approach after a break. Before we go, a reminder that we want to hear from you. We'd like you to have a voice on this podcast, too. Do you have a solution that you want the city to pursue? Or do you know someone who's making a difference on an important issue? Send us a voice memo or write an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com. I've been talking with Erica McGarry, an outreach worker with the Department of Public Health. She's been successful in connecting homeless people with services that work for them, allowing some people to find a way off the streets after decades. One key element of her approach? Find something that works for that person. Everybody out here doesn't really want housing that much because some people don't know how to live indoors. So what do we do for them? You know, do we leave them out here? No, we don't. We try to find resources that can help them kind of you know, manage their life where they're at. But it's a challenge every day. I'm not going to sit here, like, make anything up. It's a challenge. It's a big challenge. To meet that challenge, Erica says she's careful not to force anything. Her motto is, meet people where they're at. That's literal, since she's walking around the neighborhood meeting people. But it also means having real conversations with people to build connections. Once you build relationships, you can kind of peel back some of that trauma, some of that I don't trust you, I need to get to know you. My job out in the community is just to really build a safety net for those who are out there unhoused. And if they are comfortable with being outdoors, that's something to more look at in depth as a clinical standpoint, because, you know, we typically just don't want, no one should be left behind. That's just how I feel. And if they refuse to go in, You know, we get a lot of that, too. It's just building that relationship, building that rapport, keep keep working at it so you can get that trust. And maybe one day, you know, people, bodies change, people get older and, uh, you know, they might change their mind. And it's a lot of handholding and a lot of support that's needed. That's easier said than done because it's hard to adjust to life inside a shelter or transitional housing or supportive housing. The conditions in shelters and supportive housing are often abysmal. People get lonely. Some of them have been unsheltered for decades. Living indoors is a major adjustment after that. It's way more to it than just picking someone up and putting them inside. I know the community and the city wants to see the streets clean. You know, good luck with that. It's going to take some time for that. Every street is not going to be clean. You have to realize that people don't have jobs. Education is a challenge for you to be housed. Everybody just is not going to know how to live indoors. So it's easier to live outside because this is what I'm used to. You know, people travel all around the world to come be homeless in San Francisco, which is unfortunate. You know, I met people in the Castro that not even from the city, you know, and they come out here because the resources are, are better than other states or other counties. So that's something that we have to look at as well, too. You see that a lot? I see that a lot. I see it a lot. I've been seeing it for a long time. Families come from different places, you know, because of, you know, better hospitals, better medical care, and they wind up sleeping in their RVs or their cars. So, yeah, San Francisco just has that heart. 
you know, to, to be generous and have a lot of resources as well. Do you think anything should change about that? Or does that just kind of make sense? Like that's the way that it is. Oh, that's bigger than me. <laughs> I would know how to tackle that one. <laughs> yeah, that's an ongoing process. You know, mm-hmm. it's, that's something that has been happening for, you know, before I was here. This sounds very familiar to the so-called magnet theory, the idea that homeless people come to San Francisco because the city gives them free housing, although it doesn't, and because it has a permissive attitude. But Erica describes people coming for things like better medical care and winding up homeless for the sake of accessing that. It's hard to know for sure how many homeless people are from here, particularly because the meaning of from here can differ person to person. Every other year, the city does a snapshot count of people living on the street and staying in shelters, and a portion of those counted are asked to fill out a survey. The results consistently show that around 70% of respondents were most recently housed in San Francisco. People living in their cars are counted as homeless in this snapshot count, but of course there are limitations to the measurement. Someone living in a vehicle might be out of the way or not visible on the night of that snapshot count. Still, the problem that Erica is often dealing with is sort of the opposite of people coming here for services. It's more that some people don't want to accept certain services, whether that's shelter or housing or just medical attention. And the way she deals with that is to offer again and again in different contexts. Someone who didn't want to take a shelter bed yesterday might feel differently if there's a cleanup scheduled that might come with police enforcement. She's also very careful not to judge. And while she's not trying to equate other people's experiences with her own, Erica has been homeless, couch surfing with friends to get by, and at a loss for how to get back on her feet. My energy comes from, I love my community, you know. I love to see people be able to get help, you know. Especially when I was coming up, you know, I've seen a lot. I've seen a lot of stuff in these eyes. So I know that the programs and systems have changed. And back then when I was coming out, I was clueless. You know, I was on my own. I was clueless. And now that I learn more about the city, learn about the resources, so I take all my life experiences and that energy, and I I try to put that off into the people that I'm working with in a way that relates to them, not just so much as me. I just really try to be with a soft hand, a good personality, a lot of compassion, radical hospitality with a lot of good customer service when you're doing outreach, because that's part of your job. And to treat people like how you would like to be treated and talked to. So I think they had enough of the people being hard on them because we don't know where they come from. You know, we don't know what their life was before they got to sleeping in that doorway on a pile of whatever they're sleeping on. So I try to not to be a hard behind on anybody because I think that's an uncomfortable feeling and it doesn't feel good. And I'm not going to have a good relationship if I come off like that. So... I try to keep it smooth, and if they're having a bad day, I say, okay, well, you have a good day, man, we can try tomorrow. And she will be trying again tomorrow, and the day after that, and next week, meeting people where they're at. Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, where we explore how the city will chart its future and address its biggest challenges. Send an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com to get in touch, or you can DM us on Twitter, or at sfnext. I'm Laura Wenis. Coming up on SF Next Fixing Our City, we'll dig through some red tape. Why does it take so long to build housing? And what's being done about it? Also, could that help revitalize downtown? See you next week. 
Cynthia Lopez produces and reports for Fixing Our City. Gary Baca is our sound engineer. King Kaufman is the executive producer. Jonathan Krim is the SF Next project editor. Fixing Our City is part of the San Francisco Chronicle's SF Next project, exploring how the city will shape its future and tackle its biggest problems. Read stories by our reporters, check out interactive data breakdowns, and find our podcast archive at sfchronicle.com sfnext. If you have a solution you'd like us to cover or you know about a city that's doing something right, get in touch. Shoot an email to sfnext at sfchronicle.com or find us on Twitter at sfnext.